Carton. Blair. Okay, buddy, this is the episode you have been waiting for. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but before we get going, you had an yes. announcement to make. Yes, I have an announcement, and I have, and I actually have a shout out to give as well. So, uh, Eric Berkey, if you're out there listening, um, he is our our one and only uh, Instagram follower that we have right now. And nice. I, I want to thank you. That's my brother-in-law, but oh. you got to start somewhere. You got to start with one. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thanks, Eric. I told him I'd give a shout out, so he's really excited about that. So nice. we do have an Instagram up and going, two posts, but you know I'm going to be on there, kind of posting stuff as we go. Yeah, um, yeah. you're you're the, you're pondering underscore monkeys. That's how you can find us. Yeah, you're the writer, Carden. You you take care of all that. I uh, yeah, you would want to read what I write. Yeah, well, you know, it's all it's all images. That's that's what Instagram is all about. So it makes it easy. And actually, in in preparation of this episode, what I posted was a, um, was a clip from the Billings Gazette in 1975. Oh, well, that's true because we have a bit of a celebrity with us tonight, Carden. Yes, we sure do. I'm excited. Okay. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's get right into this. Okay. So Carden, tonight, our guest is Pete Howard. Now you may remember Pete is, uh, we discussed Pete uh, several episodes again or ago when we talked about the, the cattle mutilations in Montana and also a string of UFO sightings. Um, Pete was the sheriff in Teton County from 1974 until 1988. And then he took over as the judge from 1988 to 2014. So this, this guy has a sterling reputation and... He's been uh, involved in uh, several books on the subjects, and he's been interviewed many, many times, and he graciously agreed to come on and do it again. So um, we're going we're gonna to jump right in. Uh, Pete, you want to say hi? Cardin, <laughs> even though we've not met, I'll say hi once more. <laughs> this will work. It's, it's, it'll be a good evening. Yeah, well, I'm excited for yeah. it. It's nice to virtually meet you. Yeah. Pete. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of questions, Pete, so you might not think this is going to be so great after we <laughs> hammer you. Yeah, after uh, we grill you. <laughs> okay, so you know what? We're going we're gonna to jump right in. I'll, I'll give it just a touch of an introduction. Uh, we are in Teton County, Montana, and starting in the 70s, right, Pete? Yes, 74? 1974. Uh, yeah, there, there was reported the first cattle mutilation um, in the area, but was also in the state that you knew of? Yes, as far as I know. Okay. Yep. Well, take it from there, Pete. So I was elected sheriff in 1974, and in 1975, that spring, I had was required to go to Bozeman, which <clears throat> our university system, that's where our law enforcement academy was located at the time. So I had been down there for a couple of months going to school, came home for the Memorial Day weekend, and I left Choto on Memorial Day to go back to the university to finish there, to do the rest of the schooling. And when I got to Bozeman, there was a phone call waiting for me. It was my office here in Shelter, the sheriff's office. And they said they had had an unusual death of a yearling heifer about a mile south and a little bit west of Shoto. They'd called a vet to come out and inspect the animal at the landowner or the animal's owner's request. The vet did his necropsy and his comment to the guys that were out there with him, a couple of my deputies, and 
I don't think anyone else was present. But his comment was he had never seen anything like it in his life. And I think the reason for that comment not having been here personally was there was no blood in the animal. There was no vitriol uh, fluid in the eyes. The face mask had been uh, carved off the animal. The uh, sexual organs were missing on the outside. Once he opened the animal up, I couldn't tell you how many parts and pieces from the inside were not there. There was no blood within the, ca the body cavity. There's none spilled on the ground. There were no signs of any activity anywhere near or around that animal. It just simply laying in a, uh, a pasture. And ironically, the landowner, or the, the animal owner, had seen that cattle, or that heifer, standing alive and well. She was a part of, I think he said, 12 or 15 head. She was right there with them about an hour before this. I don't know just what he was doing, but he had been across to look at his cows and went back to the house, ate some breakfast, and then came back to where he found the animal. And so all that happened within about an hour. The vet did his thing, and I get the phone call. That initiated what turned out to be about a year and a half of similar reports in and around our county as well as other counties surrounding us. So one, one thing that you and I talked about prior, Pete, was um, when, when some people tried to explain what had happened, they said, well, this animal just died and that the, the you know, coyotes or the birds were responsible for the yeah. removal of the organs and things yeah. like that. I mean, wasn't that kind of the prevailing ex ex explanation back then? At a later time it was, yes, but in this case, this being the very first one is very classic because the entire covering of the face uh, up to the base of the ear, over the eye, right down the side of the face to the lower jaw, all of that hide had already been removed. And like I say, the animal owner had seen that cattle, uh, that heifer alive and well just an hour before that. So. Right. There wasn't anybody there. There were no animals around it, no birds around it. And that, that animal may have been moved. I don't remember right now, but it, if it was moved, wherever they deposited it, nothing ever touched it. It just simply dried up and withered away. It was not fed on by animals, predators, or anything else. And, and just so, you know, people that maybe don't realize how big of an animal that is, but uh, a full-grown, you know, a heifer is going to be, what, 800 to 1,000 so, pounds? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a, you're talking a lot of weight. Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting to me is the, the no blood part of it. I mean, I think we've all seen, even at the very least, roadkill, right? And you, you yeah. don't come across anything that there's no blood present. Right. So what was the kind of prevailing thought about that? I mean, doesn't that kind of exclude predators right away? It sure does in my mind, and obviously it did in the veterinarian at the time too. And, and he's a pretty proficient guy. I mean, he, he's not somebody that takes life as, as a laughing matter. He's, he was very serious about what he said. He, he had never in his life seen anything and never talked to anybody that had seen anything like that. Well, and... and <laughs> Obviously, in this kind of country, cows die all the time. Yep. I mean, you yep. know, and so for a large animal vet that's been in this country for a long time to look at a cow and say, this one is uniquely different than any I've ever seen, that says something right there. Yep. 
So, so Pete, then, then that happened in 75. 75, Memorial Day. Okay. And yep. then... Now, do you remember if, if, the, if word spread? I mean, we're talking a pretty, uh, you know, a tight-knit community, a small community. Was, were people talking about this, or was it just kind of something that happened and kind of felt like an isolated event? Well, I'm going to have to give you a dumb answer. I don't know if that started right away because I wasn't here. I was in school in Bozeman. Oh, right. And I, I stayed, I was, it was a couple of months before I actually finished school. I, I came home a couple of other times and just how, how soon after this all happened, people started talking about it. I couldn't tell you. I just don't know. Right. So, uh, you said that this was the first. Very first one. Okay. So why don't you take us through some, some later episodes? Well, and then the other thing about this is I, I didn't know what was going on either. And I have some really good friends who were with Cascade County, good friend of the sheriff down there. He kind of took me under his wing and he had a lot of real talent within his department as well as John himself. So when the word got to them, they contacted my office to want to know if they could come up and visit with the guys that had been out there. So we worked hand in hand with them, even though I was not present. And as things happened throughout the rest of that spring into 1976, so I, everything we did, we did together. So there, there was a lot of people, a lot of expertise, and, and just lots of eyeballs and questions and Nobody to this day, I don't think anybody knows yeah. what the hell's going on. But. Yeah. You, you said there was a lot of just people would kind of throw out random explanations, yeah. but, but in your experience, nothing really explained what you saw. Nobody to, to this day. The last one I went on was about a year, year and a half ago. It was up north of Shuttle here. Oh, I'll buy Bynum Reservoir. <clears throat> so same kind of features. The face mask had been removed. This was an older cow, I'm going to guess like a three-year-old, something like that. The uh, teats had been removed. The vaginal area had been removed. And most of the animals, when they were found, were found on their right side with the left side up. And it was the left facial plate that hide over the head. It just like you took a skinning knife and cut it off. And the ironic part about that is if you've ever skinned an animal... There's a, a a way of doing it pretty easily, and there's a way of doing it very difficult. So the sharper your knife is and the more attention you pay to what you're doing, you can skin that because there's a membrane lies right under the skin. It, it, it's actually, That's what holds the skin to the flesh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this had been skinned so closely that that membrane is still intact. Wherever the hide was missing, the membrane was still there, which is a pretty neat uh, uh, way of doing is that, things. Is that even possible? I well, mean, yeah, I was say, yeah. well, well, yeah, I mean, you know, is that even possible to do if a guy tried to do it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can, you, you, you can but if you get to slashing and hashing with your right. knife, you're right. going to cut into that membrane, too. But they, they were very carefully done, each of these, any one of these well, things. Well, it's, it's not going to be a predator's tooth. No, it's not going to be no. doing that. No, they're not. They're going to rip and tear and pull, and they have to. That's how they get to the meat. It, you did mention too, Pete, that you had been, um, you, you you know, you've seen the gamut, you've seen a lot of it, and people have brought a lot of different theories. What are some some different theories that people have, have brought up that could be possible explanations? Well, one of the predominant ones was after we get into this, I'm going to say three to five months, uh, 
we also started getting reports of UFOs, so the two kind of melded together. We were doing mutilation investigation and chasing UFOs at the same time. Yeah. So one of the favorite things was, well, uh, the UFOs are picking them up, and they're being dropped by the UFOs. They, they take them up and, you know, take the parts and pieces, and then they drop the body back down. We, n we never saw anything <laughs> like that either. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, we laugh about it, but at the time, you know, uh, you're, you're talking an area that had, to your knowledge, UFOs weren't prevalent. No. The mutilations did not exist. So all of a sudden, you're seeing both together. Now, yeah. Pete, you told me a story. Um, you know, I, I know that you've probably got several, but the, the one that really um, stuck with me was the, the two cows. Now, a lot of these, you said that by the time the carcasses were found, they, they were starting to rot. Yep. But there was two that you were called on pretty quickly, correct? Yes. Uh, the, the problem, I, I know which two, I'll, I'll, I'll just go, go for it. Okay. Sure. Sure. So this gentleman rancher, he bought and sold cattle and in the spring of the year, he'd buy cattle to feed through the summer months and then sell them again in the fall. Anyhow, he had a couple hundred head of uh, yearling heifers. And for a water source, they used just a, what had been a dry lake bed, but that spring we had a lot of rain. So this lake bed filled up and that's where the cattle were actually watering. They had water tanks out for them, but they were using this uh, lake bed for water. And they pretty much went into it with a trail. And that trail over a period of, oh, probably a month of the cattle being in that field was probably, I'm going to say, maybe 40, 50 yards wide and all trampled up and cut up and mud, just a big mud hole, basically. So the cattle had been in the water, and there was two, a uh, Charlet, which is a white calf, or a white, white breed of cattle, for those who are not familiar with them, and there was a, uh, a black uh, heifer. <clears throat> Angus heifer. So there's two of them. Both were heifers, and they went down on soft ground, probably 15 to 20 feet from the edge of the water in this lake bed. So it's very wet, it's slick, it's muddy, and there was not one single track of anything, not even a bird, not a, a mouse or a gopher, coyote or anything else. The two carcasses were just simply laying there. And the weather, the weather was very hot. We were in the 90s and 100 degrees in those days. And as my recollection of that one is, is that the cattle had laid there probably overnight because by the next day, they were really puffed up and pretty stinky. Mm -hmm. And it was like someone had reached out with a, I'm going to call a chicken catcher, if you've ever been around chickens. They use a, a wire hook to reach out and grab them by the foot. That's right. how you catch your chicken. Right. Well, it, 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 it looked like somebody had reached out and grabbed these two calves and just simply slid them about 20 or 30 feet. You could see where they had walked and stopped, then their body impression in the wet ground, and then this slick trail where they had been slid 20 to 30 feet. Like say, like somebody just hooked, snagged onto them and give them a big jerk, and all of a sudden they're still in, in damp, wet ground, but absolutely no tracks of any kind. And the same thing there, their facial plates were gone, their sex organs, external sex organs were gone. They were too putrefied by the time we found them, and, and the weather being so hot that we didn't even, we, I called the vet, 
and he did come out and look. And if I remember right, it was, uh, I think it was, we used like four or five vets over a period of a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think it was still uh, Bob. Bob that yeah. went, came out, but it was just something that you could tell by looking, you, you weren't going to find anything. So we didn't even cut those two open. They were, right. by, they were so putrefied by then. Right. But, but you, you said that the, the mud made it quite obvious that you could see footprints. You could, like you oh, said, yeah, you could yeah. see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we walked out to them, you know, to get them. Yeah. And, and we, we, I tied rope on, we pulled them farther yet. So if we were going to do the necropsy, we would be on dry ground. Right. Our, our footprints were right there every inch of the way, but there was nothing before before ours. Right. Nothing. So you now were, were you were you out there alone, or were there other people with you? Well, I was with the landowner. He he called me as soon as he. In those days, they had the bag telephones. Oh yeah. You guys yeah. remember that? Yeah. Okay. That, he stayed right there. He found them and called the sheriff's office, and I drove right out there. It's like a 15, 20-minute run from Shoto to get to where he was at. And I, yeah. I know he's land, so I went out there, and that, this the two of us. Mm-hmm. And from there, then we made one more phone call, or else I called on my radio, whichever, and Bob came out. Mm-hmm. But we didn't do anything because they were already, and the uh, blowflies and everything, they had already started there doing their tricks. and yeah. Now what was so? What was the uh, what was the the landowner's reaction? Where were you? I mean, well, he had been was, he, he had been hearing about him because he he he's a cattle buyer. See, he had contact with lots and lots of people buying cows. Sure. Okay. So by then, this is oh gosh, is it July or August had to be because it was so hot out. So he had had enough contact with other people by then, and the word was out that we were experiencing these reported. You know, we call them mutilations. Uh, I don't know what else you would call them if you want to put some kind of an acronym to it, but <clears throat> that's what we started calling them. And there's nobody else any or prior to that fir- first one that we had that we knew of that had any experience. And in fact, they had happened. We just hadn't heard about it. Mm. And it was uh, back east in the Pennsylvania area, the, the small animal farms back there, mm-hmm. goats and sheep, that was the predominant animals. And they also had a run on horses. Really? Yeah, back there. But but same mo. Yeah, blood, blood exactly. Gone, sex yeah. organs. Yep. And that, that was pretty typical of everything that happened. They would attack the, like the head. What would you do with the hide off the side of the head? What's the purpose of taking that? Well, I don't know what I would do. You know. with it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I've never, you know, we raise cattle. I've never been tempted to try this. Yeah. So, no, I, you know, it, it is, it is, you know, and after what uh, almost fifty years, it is still yeah. mind-boggling. Yeah, because, and, and like you say, the one I saw a year or two years ago, whenever it was, it, the same thing that I saw fifty years ago, I saw a year, year and a half ago. So, with the with the advance in the computers and the diagnostic techniques they have they still nothing was turned up not that i am aware of i and i don't have a lot of contact now that i'm out of law enforcement right right but the friends that i have still in law enforcement on the occasions that i i do talk to them and the other professional people that's the other thing that's happened since i was in there there are a lot of people just curious but there are some pretty knowledgeable people i i've, I've got medical doctors Mm-hmm. that I worked with on the last one. 
Right. And right. They, they are into this right over their head. They, they believe that there is something. And I, obviously there is something right. going on because well, we got the dead, dead animals to prove it. Now, Pete, you well, told me about this. You, you said there was a group of doctors and kind well, of these very intellectual, intelligent people. That got a hold of you. Yes, right? there's a group over in Helen, and I think they said their membership was 100, 200 people, something like that. So mm -hmm. I did a presentation for them four or five years ago. And in that group of people, there were like 10 or 12 people with PhDs, you know, medical doctors, other people with doctorates in some field or another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and they were just curious about this. Exactly. Yep. And some of them were more into UFOs and mutilations and, and vice versa. The other phenomena that we didn't have here that they work on or they're interested in over there are the crop circles. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. And then the other thing came yeah. about, uh, I, I guess it was, might have been early spring of 76. We were also getting Bigfoot reports. Not, <laughs> no. not, not here, not here in Cascade, the show. Cascade, Cascade County yeah. was getting Bigfoot reports. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Well, I remember that just as a kid. The I guess the Bigfoot one stuck out more to me as a kid, you know. But yeah, um, but that was along the Missouri River over in Cascade County. It, they it, had a it, spade of them. Well, that and and the mutilations seemed to follow places where there was a water course, rivers, creeks. Oh, canals, ditches, right. but the, about every place we found a carcass, we also had a water source. Interesting. <clears throat> now, our people will start, uh, so these start kind of racking up, and, and the word, like you said, starts kind of spreading. Are, are people kind of starting to get worried, or are they thinking that it's, because I know I've read some <clears throat> theories that it was like, okay, maybe there's like some cult work going on, or some yeah. right. De other things like devil. that are... are Devil worshippers, things yeah. like that. Are, are people starting to get kind of well, we got, afraid? Are there spooky stuff happening? You know, no, people feeling eerie? Not really, although we did have a report. And we went clear over to Anaconda. Keith Wolverton and I, the deputy in Cascade County. that <clears throat> In Cascade County, the sheriff down there was so into this and so concerned about his rancher, people within his own county, he put together within his own office a task force of, of six guys. That's about all they did. They coordinated the whole thing for six other counties. All of our pictures, reports, everything went down there, and we have a common file down there somewhere. And there, there was lots and lots of work and thought went into it. The, uh, and, and, and then what, what happened with the mutilations? They just stopped? In, yes, we went into the fall of the year of 76, and I'm going to say October, maybe November. Okay. If I remember right, we didn't have much snow or cold weather early in the fall, and it just died out. All of a sudden, we just weren't getting, getting any reports. And after that, over winter, we never did take a winter report. Nobody really? ever found anything in the winter. It was always spring and summer were predominant mm -hmm. and a few into the later fall, <clears throat> but none over the winter. And then, in addition to our county, there's like five other counties that encountered mutilations. And getting back to the, the cult kind of thing, they, they had a site in one of the forest campgrounds over there. So they had called Cascade County and talked to Keith, and they wanted to know if we would come over and take a look at it. So four of us went over. Mm -hmm. 
And we spent a day there with their guys, and I, I'm not into this cult stuff anyhow. So right. we looked, and, and they, they had made a well, campfire set up, and there were some designs in the dirt and some stuff hung on the trees and some carvings, and I don't remember what all. Yeah. Uh, I I wasn't into it, so I, I even though I was there, I didn't pay that much attention to it. But there, but there was no direct correlation. No, with, and there was nothing okay. to do with the, the cattle, you know. And there's some places they had experienced the mutilations of dogs. That didn't happen over there, and it didn't happen here. And just this last spring, uh, I did an, an interview similar to what you guys are doing in Conrad, and they sent a crew up here from California. And there was, oh gosh, nine or ten people involved there. They had been to Argentina, and they had just come back they, about a week before uh, we did the interview in Conrad. And they had spent three weeks in Argentina, and down there it was all dogs. The mutilations were all dogs. Really? Yeah, you know, and they got a big it, population of horses and cattle down there. And, and now it's in the same MO, same stuff? Yeah, same kind of stuff, yep. And I haven't heard back from them since we did that. I, I don't know what yeah. <laughs> what's going on yeah. down there. Well, I, I read crazy. an article too, and, and doing a little bit of research that this kind of resurged again. You had said you had, you had went out and seen one a year and a half or so ago, and yeah. I read an article about uh, it kind of resurging again in, in 2001. And there's been you know other resurgence throughout where they kind of hit these big pockets where it comes again, and then like you just said, it just kind of stops all of a sudden yeah nebraska and kansas at one time was big into it uh i'm thinking florida and louisiana california i can't remember whether that was that area now, was have, you, have you seen pictures from these other sites or anything like that have i seen what uh pictures of i've of not the other no areas? no i have not no well i know just in years past that this has happened internationally that overseas oh yeah you know so yeah. this this is this is a global um i don't know if you call it a phenomenon but it's yeah it's it's definitely happening so um so we're gonna we're gonna kind of start talking a little bit about the the ufo link any more with the mutilations pete that you wanted to share no i guess if, if you put it all in a bag and shook it up they're all very similar in nature mm -hmm. the, the face plates were removed the sexual organs were removed mm -hmm. So we not only had the female cows, we also lost a stud Shetland pony. And oh, had, yeah, this is interesting. Yeah. You told me about this. Yeah, and that horse was pastured right alongside of the house. And there's a little irrigation yeah. ditch ran about 30 yards from the house. That was his water source. And the kids rode that horse most every day. They had ridden him the day before, and they go out the next morning, and there he is right alongside of the ditch, and he's dead. Oh, face plate's gone and his organs are gone. Uh, we did do a necropsy on that one, same way when you get them opened up. Way inside, the, no blood. Yeah, just different. Did what? Uh, now you've mentioned a few times that like it was mostly heifers, which is a female yeah, cow. Did yeah. it, was it ever a bull? We did have a bull. I'm trying to think. I, I can't remember. Where that was at, but but, but the majority same, were female. Ma majority were females. Yes. Mm. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, um, and then Pete, also, you did tell me a story about a guy that got a tissue sample and had it analyzed. Is that right? Yeah. When, when you look at the incisions, uh, 
in the hide, generally around the vaginal area, and they would cut a place out about the size of a saucer, six to seven inches around. Okay. And that skin, when you look at it with a handheld microscope, just a, a power glass, if you will, it looked like it had been cut with a pair of pinking shears. It was pretty precise. And it was very, very symmetrical. It wasn't oblong or anything like that. It was very symmetrical. And they would take the hide and the lips of the vagina and then go on inside and take whatever else with it. So some really precision work done. Well, on the ones that they hadn't taken that, particularly the hide, we would get on the edge of the hide and take an extra inch of hide all the way around that cut and the sheriff in Cascade County had a son who worked for the government down in one of the federal facilities I'm not going to name it and he said his son happened to be here over Christmas and he was visiting with the deputies in Cascade County that Mm -hmm. had been doing the investigations so they showed him a piece of the hide that we recovered with the serrations, and he said, well, how about I take a piece of this back? He said, we've got a lab that does some pretty neat things, and they got a real powerful my, my microscope. So he did. He took it from here back there, and he took a piece that was serrated and a piece that to us looked like it was slick as, as opposed to serrated. So he went by a couple of weeks, and he finally called his dad, and he said one of the reports from the examiners down there was that it was so finely done, it looked like it had been done with a, ra- with a laser or something similar to a laser, if not a laser. And in those days, a laser wouldn't fit in the back of a three-ton truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, you know, there, there wasn't laser lights no, back yeah, then. It's not a handheld instrument. It wasn't something <laughs> right. that was real portable. But uh, yeah, and that that is mind-boggling because you're talking yeah. about you're under a you know obviously a pretty intense microscope. Yeah. And, yep. And I had also read that even sharp knives, it doesn't matter how sharp they are, they leave metallic residue. Yeah. Correct? I, I think so. I, yeah. I've heard the same And there was story. nothing. Splinters, basically. Yeah. 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 Splinters They're microscopic, yeah. but they say that, yeah, that's, yeah. that, that yeah. no matter how sharp a knife yeah. is, it leaves these traces. So, um, And when you heard that, they said, no, this looks like a laser. So, that, I mean, that was his comment to his dad. He says, it looks like it had been cut with something similar to a laser, yes. if not, in fact, a laser. And like uh, I say, the... At that time, a laser was about the size of a boxcar. <laughs> and you weren't cutting through a millimeter of flesh yeah. with that. Right. Exactly, right. yeah. So with all these things that you're hearing, before we move into the UFOs, because this, this part's going to get even even kind of more off the deep end. Is there prevailing thought with everybody? You know, there's a ton of people involved in kind of all of this. Is there anything that kind of sticks out as, as what could be the, the ultimate source, or is it pretty much nobody really knows? Well, for for myself, I, I don't have a clue. <clears throat> the reason I say that, I've been out of law enforcement for so many years. I, I don't have contact with it anymore, occasionally, but not on a steady basis. But to my knowledge, there is no, nobody knows a thing about it, uh, hmm. other than it, it is highly unusual. And it certainly, I would say this, just in my own observation, I I used to do a lot of trapping. I I still do a lot of hunting. 
it sure as hell isn't predators. I can guarantee you that, although there are some of the officials, particularly in the livestock industry, that would like to blame it on a, a predator so they don't have some kind of a insurrection within right. their own little right. group here. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So, so now we're going to, we're going to take, take the next step. Um, you'd already mentioned that the UFO thing started popping up about the same time. Yeah. And Aaron, you and I have talked uh, at length a few times and you, you've got some incredible UFO stories, but let's, um, th I guess the ones I would like to talk about are the Hirsch case because I talked about it. And then also the, the big one with the Air Force that you worked on. Okay. So I just take us however you'd like to go forward. One kind of marries right into the others. I'll do it that way. Okay. <clears throat> About 30 miles north of us is just a little village, if you will. What is there in Pendroy? 15 oh. people? Yeah, yeah. On, a, <laughs> on the 4th of July. On 20, 20 <laughs> yeah, something exactly. like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so east of there, uh, the United States government set up a, a radar tracking station for their long-range bombers. So they would fly into the area from out of state, and they had a, a programmed area that they used for their target area and their runs. So they'd come in there at low level, and all of their bombing was done electronically. They would fly west toward the mountains, do their bomb run, and I don't know if they, as they went south, whether they had a, a continuation of the bombing itself or... It was just their, their way of getting out of the area. But their outbound le leg to leave the area went right over Freeze Out Lake down here. And, and that's about five miles from Shoto. Yes. Okay. Yeah, something like that, five, ten miles. Okay. <clears throat> and there's a kind of bend in the highway, and right at that bend is our Fish and Wildlife Park's office. So the kid that worked full-time down there at that time, he was leaving work one afternoon about five o'clock, and they had two styles of bombers in here, B-1s and I can't remember what the heck the other one was. B-52? It might have been a 52. That doesn't seem right, but it could okay. have been. Anyhow, those bombers would make the run, go west, turn south, and then make a turn to the east and leave the area. But they were still at low level. So one evening when this kid was getting done, he pulls up to the highway and there's traffic coming. He has to sit there and wait a minute. And in his peripheral vision, left eye sitting there looking to the east. He sees this airplane, so he looks up, and they, they would come through at any time of the day. You never knew what time. There's mm -hmm. no real schedule. So this airplane's going by, and he looks up, and right above the tail feathers on the airplane, here is a saucer, UFO saucer, the small ones. And it's just right exactly over the tail of that airplane, and they, they leave the area, so... This kid was a little bit excited, and he, he leaves there and comes to town and pulls up out in front of my office, and he, I saw him drive up, and he sat in his pickup, and he just sat there like he was stupefied. So he gets out of the pickup and comes in, and God, he couldn't even talk, shivering and shaking, and I sat him down, and I said, boy, I don't know what's wrong, but something, obviously. And he yeah. could not talk, so I got him a cup of coffee and spilled probably half of that. <laughs> we finally got him settled down where he could talk, and then he relates his story to me, looking up and seeing this bomber leaving the area with that UFO right over his tail feathers. 
Well, that was the end of that story. Didn't see anymore. But at a later time, through the... Uh, Oh, what's the... The Freedom of Information. Freedom of Information Act. Oh, yeah, yeah. We made some inquiries, and they have a record of that very thing being reported to the uh, Malmstrom Air Force Base officials at the time that airplane was on its way out of, out of the area here. And now you're talking uh, reported by the, the community people? No, 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 reported by the aircraft. By the aircraft. Yes, and and, 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 and they, they had lost all of their communications for like 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever it was, yeah. Uh-huh. C- complete loss of communications. Everything electronic had an airplane just shut down. But it didn't the airplane, crash. Well, the airplane itself didn't, you know, the, the engines kept running, but right. their communication, I'm going to just call it the communication because there's probably lots of other electronic stuff on that airplane. Hmm. So they left, but this was, we did see the report that was made. I don't have a copy of it. It's Keith has it in Great Falls or had it. Mm-hmm. Keith has since passed. He died about a year ago. He was the sheriff in Cascade he, he County. He's a deputy, but or he's deputy. the one that kind of oversaw the whole the whole operation. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that yeah. one, that's how that went. And what was the other one you just mentioned? The uh, The one with the radar station. Well, that was the radar station. Well, but I mean the the one that you had talked about, where at night you everybody saw the light and you coordinated oh, okay. with the Air Force yep. personnel. Yeah. So I'm sitting in my office here in Shoto one night, and it's dark. And it's, if I remember right, in the fall of the year. Do you remember Sam Rose? Yeah, yeah, I remember Sam. Okay, he was a coach and teacher, yep, teacher, yep. rancher. He came into my office, and he was all excited, and he said, Look, what are you doing? I want to come outside and look at something. So we went out of the office, walked around behind the building into the alley, looked south, and here's this bright light, and it's just kind of sitting there, and it, it would move a little bit one way, and it moved a little bit the other way. I said, Well, Mr. Rose, you're in trouble. How about you getting in my car? We're going to take a ride. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> We head out of town about 120 miles an hour, and we went south to East Ham Junction, and then you go east toward Bowl. <clears throat> and it's a distance, I guess, of maybe 10 south and 5 miles east, something like that. Okay. And all the time, and I said, I'm going to watch the road. You watch the, the, light. The, the light and see what happens. Yeah. And I was on the radio with my office, and... This uh, radar station at Pendroy was still in place up there, and the colonel that was in command of that had been into my office and got a, just had a great visit with him, and he said, if there's ever anything we can do, you guys just feel free to call me, and he said, if there's something we can help out with our radar setup, we'll do it. So okay. I said, you get on, I told my dispatcher, I said, you call and see if you can get a hold of that colonel and tell him I'm going to make a request here before long. And away we went in the car, Sam and I, we get south, and as we get close to that light, got headed east where I could watch the road and the light. I'm slowed down then, <clears throat> and the light would, I'm going to call it a drift. It wasn't a high-speed move at all. Just And that particular area, most of our county, as you're aware, there's a road every square mile, except right. for that area. Right. There, there's, ro- the roads actually end. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we get into an area where we had to go a couple more miles to make a turn to get onto a different road. Mm-hmm. Our progress is pretty slow. So this thing is still sitting there, floating around in the air, 
and all of a sudden the light goes out. Hmm. And in, I'm also commenting at times on the radio. The colonel said he, the, my office told me the colonel was going to bring the crew to the uh, flight station there and have them available so they could help us. So <laughs> we get out there ways, the light goes off, and we, nothing for us to do. We couldn't see it anymore. Then the office called, and they said, well, the colonel would like you to come to the radar station as soon as possible. They've got something on their tracking devices up there they wanted me to see. <laughs> so we put her in high gear going the other direction. <laughs> and we make a run up there, and they have some recording instruments in there. So when these airplanes are passing by, this is how they do it with their electronic scoring is this big... It's, it, it reminded me of a... Uh, polygraph machine oh okay it's a recording okay. instrument and they, they could tell how fast the airplane was traveling how high it was where it was at at any given time over the ground uh -huh. where their targets were where they hit or missed a target all those kinds of things but it's recording all of this on a scroll of paper which was uh, as i remember about two two and a half feet tall mm -hmm. And it was probably five, maybe six feet across the desk on the scroll, and these little arms clicking to making the tracings and all that. So when we get there, boy, this old colonel, he's pretty excited, and he said, come over here and take a look at this. Well, unbeknownst to me also, because we weren't there, he had had two men on each position in that tracking station. So he, he could say that two pair of eyes saw the same thing right. rather than just one person. Right. So when we get there, he takes me over and he's explaining it. And then all of a sudden he said, and then look at this. So here this line's traveling across the, the uh, recorder. And all of a sudden it goes straight up, stops, and then it starts going flat again. He said, we do not have a flying machine in the United States Air Force that can make an instantaneous start and jump that high in the air and an instantaneous stop and then level out and fly again. Said, we do not own one of those. <laughs> so he was really excited about it. Did, well, did he happen to say how high that Oh, yeah, and I, I can't remember. They, they, okay. were, they were about, as I remember, I think they were about 1,000, 1,200 feet when we start, first started looking at them. Oh, Because okay. by then they had them on their tracking machine. Right. And it was around ten or 15,000, something like that where they, they made the, the instantaneous jump and stop and then start leveled off right. again. And they finally, he said they, they went out of sight. Even They picked up speed, too. They were traveling, I was supposed, supersonic by then, <clears throat> but they went out of sight going east. And, and they finally went out of the range of the, the uh, radar. Now, you just saw the light just kind of wink out. Yep. You didn't see yeah, it no, fly straight I, no, up. No, it, it just simply went out when we were looking yeah. at it. Yeah. But in retrospect, was that when it shot up, do you think? Well, I, I'm not sure. It oh. probably was a few minutes or seconds after that. Because yeah. like I say, we, we, we saw it. But as we tried to get a little closer to it, it just kept evading us. And right. not at high speed. It just kept moving away slowly. And oh. then finally it made this one quick jump and... Now you, was it just a kind of a bright white light? Is that what it was like? As I remember, it was a white light. Yeah. Uh, so then, Pete, what happened after? Now you have an interesting. Well, 
I got after I got back to then the all of a sudden two or three cars pulled in uh, vans like suburbans mm-hmm. black black windows <laughs> and now this is at the radar station <laughs> yes and there, there was a group yeah. of security guys came in and they said Colonel you need to get these people out of here <laughs> meaning us civilians he said they can't be in here so. He, he apologized, and he said, just wait for me outside when I'm done with these gentlemen. I'll talk to you guys yeah. again. So when they finally came out, they had four or five metal tubes, and they were hanging on to those like they were pretty All of the scrolls had been taken off of the tracking instruments and put in those tubes, and down the road they went. Oh, we geez. never saw those again. Yeah. <laughs> so then the, the colonel said, well, you, you're probably going to be asked to do a debriefing. So I said, well, whatever. Just have yeah. them give me a call. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they set it up for the next morning at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock came and went through noon, and nobody called. Nobody showed up. So I thought, well... Obviously, the government's got more important stuff to do than play with me. Yeah. So I, I just kind of let it pass until late afternoon. I tried calling the colonel, and I couldn't get him. And I, I had his personal phone number, but no answer. So went by the next day, and I get a call in the morning, and it was him. And he said, well, we, we've had some high-level discussions, and we'll do this debrief, debriefing later today. Can you be in Great Falls at noon? I said, yep, I can be there. I said, if this is going to work, fine. But if it isn't, for some reason, you got to delay it. Call me so I don't waste a trip going to Great Falls. About 10 o'clock, I get the second call. No, we can't do it. That was the last I heard of. Then come, I did find out because I, I got a visit from a second colonel that was a replacement for the gentleman that was there that had done all this for me. They shipped him out right now, just moving really? right out of here. Yep. Really? Oh. And, and what was the conversation with the second colonel? Well, he just wanted to get inter, introduce himself. And oh, okay. they, they, they always, they're real big on public relations with law enforcement, and okay. that's good. Sure. Oh, sure. The, the, all the security guys we have around here. Sure. So we always had a lot of that. They used to have quarterly dinners for all the local sheriffs in, in uh, Great Falls, go down to the Air Force Base, and they'd spend an hour just briefing all of us, telling us what's going on and what kind of things they're dealing with, and problems that they might be having, things we could do to help mm-hmm. them out with. And they, they would do the sheriffs, the county commissioners, and the road supervisors. Invite us all down there and have a big luncheon and sure. talk about all this stuff. Sure. So, so Pete, you um, now you told me that prior to all this happening, you really had no interest in UFOs or anything like that. Well, I'd never been around. I'd never had any reports. Right. You know, and then right. all of a sudden, the reports started coming out. Right. So, so then, how so, how did this affect your your yeah, view? Because we've talked about this, and how how did that experience kind of shape you know what you think about UFOs and things like that? Well, and, and so that your party here <laughs> realizes what went on, I didn't see anything myself except for that one occasion with Sam, the light, whatever the light was. Right. Yes. The other information that I was given came came to me secondhand from people that I have no reason whatever to doubt them. Mm-hmm. And they would call and say, well, we'd like to talk to you. Can you can you talk to me? I said, yeah. And sometimes they would invite me to their home. They didn't want to come into town. Or they'd come into the office, but they'd make sure that we were in a private setting. And that was all fine. 
So I didn't ever see or experience any of this. It's just information that was given to me by people that I fully, fully trust. Mm -hmm. In one case, man and a wife and three kids. We put them all on the polygraph, just for our own. And they, they agreed to it, just jumped right into it. Sure. What, what, what was that story? I don't know if I've heard this. Well, one. they had been in Great Falls at the fair. And while he was down there that day, he took the kids down. <clears throat> bought a pair of binoculars for whatever reason. He says, I just need a pair of binoculars, so I bought them. He came home that night, and here's this. He, they de defined it as a cigar-looking machine. And several of the disc-size UFOs flying underneath its belly. Some would go up into it. Some would come back out of it. And it was sitting about halfway between the house and the road that he was on, which is like a quarter mile distance. The house, it's about that far off the road. Okay. So it, it's, and he said, we, we could see that thing just as plain as could be. And they gave a very vivid description of it. He and his wife? Yes, and the three kids. And the th how old and were the kids, Pete? The kids, I think the youngest one was like five or six. And the other, uh, the boy, he was probably 10 or 12. Jeez. I mean, they, they knew what they saw. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so they drive into the driveway and they're they're just creeping along but the cigar shape the mothership if you will started moving away from them just slowly mm -hmm. and then finally it slipped off to the side and they drove on by it went to the house got out and stood on the porch and looked back at it for a minute and it, it, it didn't leave it moved back over to the road that is the entrance into the, the homestead and it sat there for a while. In the meantime, the little guys are still going in and out. And all of a sudden, all the little guys leave, and they go to the south. And if you remember down there, you get over onto the bank of Sun River. Mm -hmm. Well, they drop down into the Sun River Valley, and they couldn't see the discs or the little fellows anymore. And the mothership followed them over there. So this guy decides, well, ha, huh, my land, I'm going to walk over there and see what the hell they're doing in the valley. So <laughs> yeah. he, he just walks down there. But he had stood on his porch with those new binoculars and looked at it with his binoculars. And like I say, he gave a very detailed report. We interviewed him and put him on tape. And then mm -hmm. a, a couple, three days later, one of the guys in Cascade County called. One of them, I thought they might be willing to do a polygraph. And they all said, yeah, you bet, I'll do that. Jeez. It was interesting. It was all good. Uh, and and so did, he, the, did he see him again then? Uh, well, no. By the time he, and it's, it's probably darn near a mile from his house to the riverbank. Okay. You know, or the edge of the, right. the, the valley. So by the time he got over there, they were all gone, and he never saw them again. Jeez. Yeah. No, it just. And what, what was his state when he came in? Was he? Shaken up or no, and and I I've known the guy for a long time, nice fellow. And anyhow, he he had called me and he's another one. He just said, well, we saw something really unusual last night, and with all the stuff that's going on, could we talk? And would you mind coming to the house? So I went down there to do the interview, talk yeah. to him. And it, it was it was really neat because those three little kids are sitting there just like parakeets do. <laughs> well, and and yeah. back then, Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, you know, in the '70s, there was kind of a stigma. I mean, yeah. you, you didn't yeah. just go exactly. tell people I yeah. saw a UFO. Yeah, and if you remember back then. We had the bag telephone, but we didn't have the social media we have today. So nobody right. nobody has cameras like everybody right. does now. Right. That's the other right. thing that's gone on from the ones I'm talking to here of late. 
the, the reports they're getting, they're actually able to take some photos. So there's right. a lot of the stuff now is coming in in photographic form. Yeah. So pictures don't lie, I guess. If yeah. you obviously you can do some photoshopping and things like that if you're into it. But. Well, we we talked about and Cardin and I have talked about the 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 Navy videos. And I know yeah. you you mentioned it to yeah. me. So and and you're impressed with those quite yeah. a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they, like you say, yeah. photographs and video don't yeah. don't lie, or I guess in this case no. they don't. No, and we had another one, a lady just out of town here down by Priest Butte. She used to get up like 4.35 in the morning, make coffee. She's just an early riser. So she got up one morning, she's making coffee and listening to the radio and <clears throat> looked out towards the west to the base of Priest Butte. Priest Rattlesnake Butte. Anyhow, she looks at the base, toward the base of the butte, and here sits one of those motherships. And the little guys are, are coming and going in into the belly of the outfit and back out and up over the top of the ridge and out of sight. And she said, gosh, she'd probably watched it 30 minutes. Jeez. Finally, her husband gets up and he said, well, let's call Pete. So they did. And they didn't tell me what they wanted. They just said, can you come out? Come right away. We got something, to, we, got something we want you to see. Well, of all the gall-learned things, instead of asking them where it was that they wanted me to see this, I go to the house and guess what? I had driven right by where this machine, oh, had, right. where they had seen it. So when I got to the house and they pointed out where it had been, and whether it was, I don't think it was there when I went by. I just don't. Was it still dark when you got there? Or was it, 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 was, it was beginning, it was pretty good daylight by then. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like, was this description kind of the same as, as the one? Yeah, the same the as other? the other one. Yeah, just a big, long cigar-looking thing. And the the discs are the flying saucers flying in and out of the, the belly of it. Yeah. Can you put, and you said these original mutilization was, what, 74, you said? The what? 74, 85, the original uh, mutilization. 70, 75, I was elected in November 74 and took office in November. And then the next spring, and like say, what's clear in my mind, it was Memorial Day the next spring, which right. is, yeah. So that was the that was the very first one. Yeah. yeah. The UFO stuff is what seven. Well, and the UFOs probably. I'm. This is just a long shot on my part. I'm I'm going to guess maybe late spring, early summer when we start getting uh, of the, the same era of seventy five when we start picking okay. up on the UFO yeah. reports. And do you remember anything prior to that and that of, of any kind of stuff like that? No, not that we didn't have any reports of it. And you know, hell, I'd heard of UFOs because I'm a pilot, right? Oh, right. So I, I I was aware of it, but I I to this day I've not seen one that yeah. I know of. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so so since 1976. Now you've been contacted by. I mean, this has had a resurgence, like you said, yeah. that group in Helena. Yeah. Now you've been contacted by how many people about writing books, that or excuse me, that interviewed you for books that were being written. Well, the the book that kind of started this whole thing was the one that Keith Wolverton wrote in Great Falls. <clears throat> He's a uh, he was a captain with the sheriff's office down there. Mm-hmm. And he had a gal by the name of Roberta Donovan who actually did the writing. Keith would interview and she would do the writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you remember the name of it now? Do you remember it? No, I don't. Oh, boy. I've got a copy of it at home, too. But that book 
Keith wrote it, and a lot of my pictures and things I done, it, it talked about the whole thing. Okay. He, he's, he's, and I don't know whether this project is still viable or not. He was having a reprint of that with an additional chapter or two when he passed away. Mm-hmm. Whether they're going to follow through and, and actually have it printed or not, I don't know. I got to call his widow and find out. And you, <clears throat> and you told me you saw the box or boxes of information he had. You said it was impressive because he was a, well, a, a data collector. Well, right? er, everything that, like I said, there's five or six counties involved in it. So everything we did, we would file our reports, and, and they did a lot of the uh, photographic work for us. We'd take the pictures, send the pictures down there, and they'd make a set for us and set for themselves mm-hmm. and put it with the reports we filed. So mm-hmm. the, the master file for all of these, for five or six counties, was, it was in Cascade County. We left yeah. all that stuff there. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. So, so then, again, Pete, um, you and I have talked about this. So you do believe in... Aliens and UFOs, correct? Well, I yeah, I, I like I said, I've not seen them, right? But I have no reason whatever to believe any person that I ever talked to that they weren't talking to me in good faith, right? Yeah. Now, if you think back, you think prior to seventy four, what what would your answer have been? Well, like I said, I'm, I'm a licensed pilot. I got quite a bunch of hours. I, I've never talked to another pilot that's seen one, and the, one of the fellows I used to work for is now a retired airline captain. And Walt and I have never talked about UFOs, whether he, and he did a lot of overseas stuff, lots of trips to Hawaii. Whether he ever saw one or not, I don't have a clue. It just has never come up in our conversations. Right. Mm. Well, and it, you know, the, the reading I've done about it, that, the the UFOs um, during World War II were so common. Yeah. That's where the term Foo Fighter came from. That's what the British oh. called UFOs was Foo uh, Fighters. We damn. And so they, I mean, you know, their history has been around for a long yeah. time. Uh. You know, so it's it's interesting. Um, and now, as Cardin and I have talked about, our government keeps hinting at, you know, the fact yeah. they have uh, crash materials. Well, the, the one senator said that we have <laughs> materials not of this earth, and that makes it, you know, that obviously says it's something from a crash and stuff. So, um, and then, and Pete, you, you fairly recently, you were interviewed again for that, that woman that wrote the book, that was working on a book, is that correct? Well, I, I wasn't interviewed by them. That they, Keith had written, with Roberta's help, he had written two extra chapters to add to the book oh, when okay. they did the reprint. Okay. Then the other group of people we talked to, I don't know what happened to their information. They were going to do it on the Discovery Channel, as I understood. Oh, okay. And that was a group that had been to Argentina. They were out of California. And okay. they, they went to Argentina, spent two or three weeks down there, and then came here and interviewed Keith and I in Conrad. Huh. And what they what they have done with their material, I've never heard back from them since they really? were here. And yeah. you said that was a pretty extensive interview, correct? Yeah, yeah it was a couple hours. Yeah, yeah that was interesting. Oh, wow. yeah. Uh, yeah. This, yeah, this is just mind-boggling. Yeah, it really. I mean, it really is mind-boggling. Well, and it, it it started with the mutilations, and then in oh, three, four, five months later, we evolve into the UFOs, and then another two or three right. months, here comes our old buddy, the. Uh, Oh, Bigfoot! <laughs> Bigfoot. So, you know? so I, I know that that wasn't something you you dealt yeah. with. I know the Bigfoot. At least I hadn't heard yeah. of sightings in around our area. No, but, we didn't have. But what did you make of that? Because that, I mean, out of everything, Bigfoot to me personally was always the one that was the hardest to believe because it's just like, 
you know, you, you'd think somebody would have some good concrete evidence that there was a... Well, I will tell you this story, and I think I have, but maybe not. Uh, before Keith passed, probably a year or two years before that, I went down to his house one day. He, he died of cancer. He, he, he just wanted to get together and reminisce, and he said, by the way, I got a box full of stuff I want you to take. Well, he had his own stuff at home. Okay. Yeah. Including a plaster cast of Bigfoot. When did the was that now? Was that one of the original ones that? Well, that, and and this came from down in the Moore, Montana area. There was, really? there was a rancher down there. The key story to me was, rancher gets up, has his coffee, he's looking out the window in the morning, waiting for the sun to come up so he can go feed his cows. There's snow on the ground. He's looking maybe a half mile at the haystack. Out from behind the haystack comes this thing, upright oh, like man. a human, and uh -huh. he walks off into the sunset. So this guy called Cascade County, and Keith and two of his buddies that were involved in the UFO mutilation with us, they drove down there, and they came home with a, a plaster cast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and that cast, oh. I, I could take you right to that. I used to have it, but I don't anymore. I, yeah. I took all, no, this is in hell, come think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It went with all the materials over to Helen. Oh, my gosh. And and I have to, again, I wasn't there. I have to take Keith's <laughs> word that they made that cat, and they used to do a lot of that. Right. You know, yeah. tire cast and all that kind of stuff. So when they took well, I'm sure it, at that point, it's going to be big for Okay, what's next? Who are we? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, I, I haven't. Yeah. And Keith got into it big time after he retired. God, he went to Oregon and down into, there's a. Big center, I think it's in Arizona, where they talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah, it, well, yeah, there is. There's actually, yeah. there's a couple places. Um, the Skinner Ranch, remember, Cardin, we were talking about that. That one, that one's got a lot of paranormal um, activity, uh, and they, I, I think they have a tie-in with, with UFOs and stuff. But, um, well... Pete, so we're we're getting towards the end of the of the interview. So Cardin and I, uh, we we've asked this question of each other a lot, and what we like to do is we'll just ask a random question. There's no right or wrong answer. Just just tell us what you think. So if a UFO came down and you were given the opportunity, I'd jump in in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you bet I would. You betcha. I said that every every time every time I've talked to somebody. I, you betcha. I wouldn't hesitate a minute. Really? Yep. You're just yep. just curious. I, 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 yes, I, I I would absolutely would do it. At least I think I would. I, I would sure I would sure like to be given the chance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. that is great, you're, this, Pete. You're the second second in a row that we've had that no hesitation answered to yeah. these questions. Yeah, yeah. Our, you know, our, Blair, believe it, Blair's on the other spectrum. He's he I have a lot to live for. <laughs> well, I'm I'm close. I'm I'm a lot closer to the end than you are. That would be a way to go out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I, I you know, and this is what I told Carton. I would like to sit here and say I would be brave, and I would, you know, I would say, oh, what a great opportunity. But I, I just, I don't think it would happen like that. I mean, I, I think it would be just so overwhelming, you yeah. know, that that. Well, but, and speaking of that very thing, the fellow that I was talking about, that he and his family saw the one? Yeah, yeah. I asked him the same question. He said, you bet. If they had opened that up, I'd have jumped really? right in. Yeah. So he wasn't he The wasn't wife scared. wasn't afraid a bit. Neither was his wife. Really? Nope. 
And I can only guess if you put one or more of those kids out there, they would have jumped into the way. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, that's a, you hadn't told me that story. That's an incredible story. And, yeah. and just, just the, um, the, the, the fact that they were able to sit and just observe it, you yeah. know, and just yeah. watch it doing its thing. And, um, that's amazing. Yeah. It really is. Yep. It's just, you know, and Cardin and I keep hoping that, you know, between the government letting more information out and everybody with a phone yep. and I mean, there's been some incredible, incredible videos coming out and stuff, but, but you said earlier, you know, you're talking about Photoshop and stuff. You yeah. kind of, yeah. some of this, you kind of, you, you know, you just yeah. wonder, yep. you know, I, Exactly right. You gotta you gotta really take a fine eye at everything because everybody's trying to hoax everybody right but now. But th- this sure. this gal Cardin that I was talking about earlier, it's Linda Moulton Howe. Mm-hmm. Oh, the author. Yes, the the name of her book is An Alien Harvest. If you ever see oh. it or go to a library and check it out, it's pretty interesting. I've got it, Blair. Yeah. If you want to borrow it, I'll bring okay. it out. And, and yeah. what is her name again? Linda Moulton Howe. H O W E. And when was that book written? Oh, gosh. The, the one I have has got some age on it, probably 20, 30 years ago. Okay, okay. Yeah, but it, uh, the reason I bring that up, she's got pictures in there long before we ever did any of this Photoshop kind of stuff. They're oh. actual, you know, right. probably 35 millimeter film and that right. kind of stuff. She's right. got pictures in there from all over the world. Really? Yeah, mm. yeah, yes. it's unreal. A lot of drawings, sketchings of people that didn't have cameras. They would sketch what they'd seen, UFOs and mutilations, both. Did you ever cross paths with anybody that claimed to be abducted? No. I'll give you another little (laughs) story (laughs) of that, too. Keith talked to my buddy in Great Falls, Keith Wolverton. He had talked to, I think it was Nebraska, one of the counties down there. Talked to the sheriff and the investigator. And they, what happened, the story is, this guy was out in a field somewhere, and he got stuck. And when they found his pickup, there was one or two footprints on the driver's side of the door in the mud, and he was missing. And a week or ten, and they didn't pull the pickup out because it was too wet. It would have just chewed the ground up real bad to get out to it. So they just left it thinking, well, when it dries up, we'll go get the pickup. Week or ten days later, the guy shows up. Back at the pickup. Yep. Really? Yeah. And Keith, and Keith talked to these folks down there that had investigated that, and they said we, I don't know if they did sodium pentothal, but they darn sure did the uh, polygraph and all that. Interviewed and interviewed and talked to him and medical exams, and he had some physical anomaly. I don't remember what it was, but. That had been fixed while he was gone, oh and he, he he claimed he'd been taken up. He, so he remembered uh, it. He, oh yeah, he, he actually remembered it. Yep. Yeah. Said it was a yeah, said it was a friendly encounter. You know, not that it wasn't scary, right? But they didn't harm him while he was. No. I don't think uh, the cows would say the same. <laughs> no. <laughs> you think you think Cardin, if you interviewed those cows, they would say it was a friendly encounter. <laughs> they're, out friendly. they're missing their face and their sex organs. I don't think that's yeah. very friendly. Yeah. Uh, wow, well, okay. Pete, uh, Cardin, this is this is your chance. You got any other questions for Pete? 
<laughs> oh, you know, I'm just baffled. And I, I still think that the most interesting thing, I think, um, and Pete, thank you so much for even talking to you us. About it, but just even to this day, you know, that it's still kind of a shoulder shrug. What is the answer? Well, that's it. I, I hope I live long enough so that somebody somewhere actually comes up with some scientific proof that what whatever is happening is happening and we find out what it is. Right. Yeah. Right. Man. If I share the same, yeah. the same, there's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I consider myself very fortunate to be able to sit down and, and <laughs> do this interview in person. And I know I've, I actually, when you were still judge, I, I would pick your brain about it. It's just, it's a fascinating topic. It know? is. And that's why it, it's hard for me to let go of because I've always got my fingers crossed that somebody's going to come to me and say, well, hey, listen up, dummy. I know yeah. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's the answer to the 50-year-old yeah. question. Yeah. Gosh, well, yeah, you never know. And and again, like Cardin and I keep saying, yeah. one of these days, some Something's going to come out. And yeah. It's going to it's going to blow the doors off all of it. So, yeah. Um, well, uh, I also want to thank you, Pete, for for doing this <laughs> yeah. with us. Um, I'm sure this is yeah. This makes for a very interesting listen. Um, and again, a plug for our Instagram page, uh, pondering yeah. underscore monkeys. Uh, just at Instagram, right, Carden? I mean, it's on Instagram. Find us on there, and actually, we got our second um, follower as this was taking place. All right, so that's awesome. <laughs> well, we're international. We're starting to get to, we're starting to get more people overseas. So, welcome for the internet international. We've got we're, we're our first person from Colombia. There you go. Carton. Okay, that's all right. That's right. Well, all right. Uh, again, thank you, and what a what a great evening. What a great chat. Um, so, Carden, um, that's episode 16 in a wrap. In the books. Thank you again, Pete. That was excellent. You bet. Enjoy so, Carden, if you get to show again, look, uh, holler so I can shake your hand. Yeah, most definitely. I'll yeah. come find you. Yeah, that'll be good. All right. Until next time. Good night, Carden. Good night, Blair. Okay. Talk to you guys another time. <laughs> <laughs>